Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. I, uh, I thought I'd give you a little bit of a background. Sometimes I like to give just a little bit of background on, like, insight into my prep time. And uh, as I was starting to write my intro for this morning, uh, originally I was going to say something along the lines of how I'm a little bit of a history buff. I enjoy war and, uh, like, learning about the history of wars and war leaders. Uh, and then uh, I realized it's a bad idea to, like, start off lying in church, because uh, really, really, I realized what it comes down to is I just enjoy war movies, and sometimes I learn things from war movies, so that's not, like, history buff. Anyways, one of my favorite war movies uh, is the movie Gettysburg. Has anybody seen Gettysburg? It's an old movie from the 90s. Yeah, a couple of you. Um, it's actually uh, a really long, kind of slow-moving, it's, it's like four hours long, um, but I love it. Uh, part of it is there's a little bit of family history. Uh, we kind of grew up watching it, but one of the main reasons why I like watching Gettysburg is because I like the tactics of the Civil War, and I love the leaders. There's, uh, there's one colonel in particular that really stands out. I'm like obsessed with this dude. His name is Joshua Chamberlain. Has anybody heard of Colonel Joshua Chamberlain? Okay, good, good, good. Absolute stud. Um, so what he's known for, he's known for mostly uh, the battle at Little Round Top, okay? The battle at Little Round Top, it's the second day of the Battle of Gettysburg, and uh, the Confederate Army is attacking the left flank of the Union line, okay? So back then, Civil War fighting, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar, but they would just kind of line up, and then if you guys were the Confederate Army, you guys are coming this way, they were attacking the left un Union flank over here. And so Joshua Chamberlain, Colonel Chamberlain, is, uh, he's the colonel, he's the guy in charge over here on the left flank, and uh, things weren't looking too great, they were kind of running out of uh, supplies and ammunition, and they knew that reinforcements weren't going to get there in time. And so uh, he also noticed that the Confederates were coming around the outside. So they were trying to flank the left side. So the Confederates were coming around the left side. And so what Chamberlain did was brilliant. He bent the line. So he took the left flank and he bent it and he sent it back that way to defend against uh, the Confederates. So the Confederates would come up. They attacked a couple more times. They stopped those advances. And... Uh, Unfortunately, the Union, they, they ran, out, ran out of ammunition completely. So no more ammunition, and Chamberlain comes up with this amazing idea. He has the guys fix bayonets, and they lead a charge down the mountain. He takes this left side that he had sent backwards, and he swings the gate down the hill. They go down, bayonet charge, uh, a huge, huge uh, move that helped them win not only the battle, but very decisive in winning the war. And I tell you all that because Joshua Chamberlain, absolute stuff, he was such an overachiever. Dude was just a regular guy. He was actually a college professor. I don't know if you know that about him, but he was actually a college professor, and he volunteered uh, for the war. Crazy, crazy overachiever. He met his potential, and then some, and then some. On the other hand, so we've been talking about Samson. Uh, Samson is a completely other side of the spectrum, completely other side of the spectrum. Um, I, I would argue, as, as I've just kind of been studying and reading about his life and just um, seeing the potential that Samson had, Samson could have been the greatest military general, military leader in all of history. I'm fully convinced. Fully convinced he could have been the greatest leader in military history. However, uh, he just got distracted. He just got distracted. 
Uh, Pastor John kind of set it up last week. Uh, Samson that was born with the silver spoon, he was voted most likely to succeed. He had everything going for him. We see glimpses uh, of his potential and his battles. We're going to see some of it today. Like he just had crazy, crazy potential, but he didn't live up to it because he was so distracted from his mission. Uh, as a judge, during this time, his mission was clear. His mission was very, very clear. Uh, as a judge, his job was to deliver Israel from the Philistine rule. Okay, now, uh, again, Pastor John kind of set it up last week, if you were here. Uh, the cycle that's been going on in Israel at the time is they would kind of fall away. They would walk away from the Lord. They would want to do their own thing. God would give them over to their enemies if you want to have your own thing, the Lord would give them over to their own thing. And then the Lord would send a judge. And the judge would um, help lead the people back to the Lord and deliver them from their enemies. Samson's job was very, very clear. From our scripture today, uh, we're going to see the beginning of this pattern in Samson's life um, that really just kept him distracted from this main mission and ultimately caused him to miss out on God's best for his life. Um, now, you might not be, and chances are you are not an aspiring military leader. Uh, however, uh, I would say if you're a follower of Jesus, that you absolutely have a clear mission. Uh, we just spent the last like 10 or so years in the book of Acts. Um, did I say years? I meant months. 10 or so months in the book of Acts. And uh, what was the recurring theme? The recurring theme was our main mission, our main job, the main reason why we're here on this earth. God gave us the Great Commission. Our job is to go and share the love of Jesus, what he did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. Like, that's our job. Our job is to share that with the world around us. Um, and so today, as we look at this pattern in Samson's life, um, it is absolutely 100% applicable for us today. Um, I was thinking about it even for me. Um, some of these things that we're going to talk about today uh, are probably some of the main things that get me personally, if I'm just being real and vulnerable, uh, are some of the things that get me most distracted from the main mission. Um, today, we're going to find that there's a warning uh, in this story about Samson, uh, but there's also a really cool encouragement. Um, so let me pray for us, and then we will dive in. Dear Lord, uh, Father God, I just thank you for a chance to dive into your word this morning. Um, Lord, I pray as we just look at Samson's life, I thank you for the example of Samson. I thank you for uh, how you ended up using him uh, despite himself. Um, Lord, I pray, God, that in just scripture today, I pray that you'd speak through me. I pray that you'd just connect the thoughts. I pray that, um, Lord, that you'd be working on all of our hearts. Uh, I pray that you'd transform us uh, and get us fixed on your mission and uh, what's most important in life. We love you, and we give this time to you. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Uh, if you guys would open your Bibles with me to Judges chapter 14, we are going to get started. Judges chapter 14. So like I said, we're going to be looking at ways uh, that Samson got distracted from the mission and missed out on God's best for his life. Number one, if you want to get distracted from the mission, wander in enemy territory. Take a look there in verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and he told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. <laughs> now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, 
Is there not a woman among your daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Okay, so what's going on here is Samson, he lived up in this town called Zorah, okay, in the east, and it was up the hill. And so he traveled four miles down the hill to the west to a city called Timnah into enemy territory uh, because Timnah was under Philistine control at the time. And he sees this beautiful Philistine girl, and he tells his parents, hey, mom and dad, go get this girl for me. Uh, I want her as my wife. You might be asking, why doesn't dude just get his own wife, right? Like, that's the obvious question. Why don't you just go and get your own wife? Uh, Why do you need mom and dad to do that? Well, back then, uh, and in that culture, mom and dad played a huge part in arranging marriages. Uh, Typically, they had something to say about who you were going to marry, typically. Samson, uh, not as much about that part of it. Um, But he knew that in order to get what he wanted, He needed his parents to talk to her parents. The problem was, is that Samson's parents aren't on board, right? And rightfully so. A little bit of background here is God had specifically instructed the Israelites not to intermarry with the foreign people. He knew that if Israel goes and intermarries, that they're going to walk away from the Lord, that they're going to start following the gods of the other nations, and they're going to start following their evil moral practices. Moses explicitly instructs the people with God's instructions in Exodus 34 and Deuteronomy 7. You can check those out if you want. However, Samson does not care what his parents think. What do parents know anyways, right? Parents, what do parents know? Uh, And so he says, just go get them. Just go get them for me. Then we come to verse 4. And if you take a look at verse 4, I'm not going to lie, this kind of confused me at first as I started looking through, uh, trying to like figure out how does this work in Samson's life? Like, how does this work? Look at verse four. It says that Samson's parents didn't know that this was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. And I had to ask, okay, is Samson just following God's will? Is Samson just following God's will? Is this God's plan A for Samson's life? I would contend, if you look just at this single verse, it's easy to think, yeah, yeah, we can justify Samson's actions. It's, it's God's will. However, if we step back and we look at this pattern that is recurring theme in Samson's life, that this is actually not God's plan A. Um, and since Samson is not living God's plan A, God had to initiate plan B. See, up until this point, Samson has been completely ignoring his mission. What is his mission? His mission is to lead Israel. His mission is to defeat the Philistines, to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. And Samson is not doing that. The only thing that he's been doing with the Philistines up until this point is checking out their young women. That's it. The only thing he's been doing. So God decides that he's going to step in and make an opportunity on Samson's behalf. That pattern that I mentioned, it starts with wandering in enemy territory. It starts with allowing yourself or putting yourself to be in situations that could potentially be bad, things that could potentially go very, very wrong and have devastating effects. Why in the world was Samson running around checking out the Philistine young women? Why was he doing that? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think, and I, I would contend, that 
Maybe the reason Samson hasn't been doing his job, maybe, maybe the reason Samson has not been fulfilling his mission up to this point is because he's been too busy wandering around in Philistine territory, too busy getting a soft spot in his heart for Philistine women. If he didn't have this soft spot in Philistine women, which started by just wandering around and letting himself be in that position, would he instead have been fulfilling his main mission? Uh, Samson is the champ at putting himself in bad situations. It almost seems as if he's looking for bad situations, and if he's not looking for it, he's just really, really terrible at, uh, at avoiding them, really terrible at avoiding them. If you want to get distracted from your main mission, okay, our mission is different from Samson's, but if you want to get distracted from your main mission, go wandering in enemy territory. Find yourself in situations that go, could go potentially bad, and you could find yourself potentially defiling yourself. Now, I know that this is about as basic as it gets, right? If you've been in church for any amount of time, um, You've heard, don't put yourself in bad situations. Like, we tell our little kids this, right? We tell the junior hires and the high schoolers, like, every other day, like, don't put yourself in bad situations, right? Like, this is, like, 101, super, super basic. Um, however, man, as I was thinking about it and just preparing, don't, don't we need this reminder? Like, every single one of us, doesn't matter who you are, don't we need this reminder regularly? Um, and the reason why is if we're just being real, we make dumb decisions, we let our flesh run things, and we're going to talk about our flesh here in a little bit. We lie to ourselves, and uh, we make excuses. We make excuses to put ourselves in situations that could potentially go bad. Um, as I was thinking about this, just for me personally, uh, I absolutely need this reminder. Um, I, uh, as I, man, just even recently, just even the last few months, like I really like uh, on social media, they kind of have those video streams where you watch one video and then it goes to the next and they're super entertaining and really funny. And uh, yeah, I, I just know that I need this reminder for myself. Josh, don't go wandering in enemy territory. Don't go putting yourself in bad situations. Because uh, every once in a while, there's inappropriate videos that come up on there, right? And uh, I can for sure go there very innocently just seeking, like I just want to watch some, some entertaining videos. Or I can go there... Uh, wanting to find some things that I shouldn't be wanting to find? Like, if I'm just being honest, if I'm being real, why would I put myself in those situations? Josh, don't go wandering in enemy territory. Don't go looking for things, making excuses, um, because you're trying to find stuff you don't want to find. Do you know what I mean? Um, I just think that as human beings, we need this reminder regularly. Self, do not go wandering in enemy territory. Don't, why would you go looking for things uh, and lying to yourself along the way that you shouldn't be finding? You're going to find stuff that you don't want to find. Um, it hasn't happened to me very often, um, but this past week as, as I was preparing, um, I just felt this really strong burden from the Lord uh, for our church. And uh, I don't know exactly what it means. I don't know if it's a burden for one person specifically. I don't know if it's for a group of people in our church, um, but as I was preparing, the Lord just put this like heavy, heavy burden on my heart this week um, that somebody really needs to hear this exact thought, that you might be traveling into a place that's going to cause some epic, epic destruction, um, and with all the love and grace and pastoring that I can possibly muster, um, I've been praying for you for this last like week and a half as I've been pre preparing, and uh, my hope is that um, please heed a warning from the Lord 
Stop putting yourself in situations um, that are going to be potentially really bad. Stop lying to yourself, um, saying, I can go here. I can be around this person. Uh, I can watch this thing. I can go here to these sites. I I, I don't know what it looks like. I really don't. But stop lying to yourself, saying that it's okay, it's innocent, because it's not. Um, My hope and my prayer is, man, take this lifeline, and I'm hoping that it's genuinely just from the Lord. Take the lifeline. Stop putting yourself in situations that could potentially go so, so wrong. Um, Let's get back on the mission. Let's get back on the mission. Want to be distracted from your mission and miss out on God's best? Number one, wander in enemy territory. And number two, let your flesh call the shots. Picking up in verse five. Verse 5 says this, Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came towards him roaring. Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down, and he talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of a lion. Worse on ever, right? Like, come on, let's be real. All right. So uh, today we are, uh, we are definitely calling Samson on some of his junk, and, uh, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. However, that being said, uh, Samson gives us some of the best Bible that there is. Like these five verses are like some of the most epic, like manly, like, oh my goodness, that's crazy uh, verses that there are in the Bible. So here's what's going on. So somehow he gets his mom and dad on board with the whole Philistine wife thing, and they go down to Timnah. Uh, and at that point, Samson ventures off by himself. And I don't know if his parents uh, were meeting with her parents and they were like arranging the marriage. I don't know. But Samson ventures off by himself. He goes into a vineyard, and in the vineyard, a lion comes at him. Granted, it's a young lion, but still, a lion comes out at him. And the lion's not so happy, like roaring, and uh, the lion comes and attacks him, or should I say, Samson attacks the lion. The spirit of the Lord rushes on Samson, and he rips apart the lion with his bare hands. Wild. Did you catch the next line? Verse 6. As one tears a young goat, he tore the lion as one tears a young goat. And my question for you is this. All the time, right? How did this become an expression? Like, how does this become an expression? Uh, Like, what's the situation where uh, that, like, started? Like, what's the the originating, yeah, did it as one tears a young goat? Like, I don't know how that comes up. Where does that come into play? Like, I was racking my brain trying to figure out, like, what situation in old, like, Hebrew folk, like, where does this come up? Uh, I couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. Absolutely crazy. Um, so after Samson tears the lion, as one tears a young goat, he, uh, he heads back home and he doesn't tell his parents. Doesn't tell his parents about it. And uh, eventually, they head back down to Timnah and they're going to start up the wedding festivities, right? So everything's about to start. 
And Samson takes another detour and he goes through the vineyard. And in the vineyard, he sees the carcass. And in it, there's a beehive, there's some honey, there's a swarm of bees. And so he goes in and he grabs some of the honey, eats it, gives some to his parents, doesn't tell them that it's from the middle of a rotten carcass, super gross. Um, However, have you ever thought about, like, I know we've heard this story. Have you ever thought, like, how did he actually get this honey? How did he get it? He didn't have, like, the white beekeeper suit. He didn't have, like, the sleeping gas, you know, and put him to sleep. He didn't have that. Like, I, I don't know. Like, there's no other explanation. This, in my brain, this is kind of where Samson becomes a caveman. And uh, he sees it just like, me want honey. You know, I will get. And I don't know why I was Russian. Um, but he, like, he goes and he, like, is, like, fighting bees away and, like, just, like, taking stings and just, like, I don't know. Like, that's unreal. Uh, crazy. One of the manliest scriptures uh, that there is in the Bible, hands down. However, our pattern is back. Pattern is back big time. Samson is no doubt wandering in enemy territories, putting himself in bad situations. First of all, what is Samson doing in a vineyard? Pastor John talked last week about the Nazarite vow that Samson had took. Samson took a Nazarite vow. One of the huge things that he had vowed before the Lord is that he would not uh, partake, that he would completely avoid the fruit of the vine. He completely avoid grapes. He had uh, completely uh, avoid everything to do with that. Why would he even go into a vineyard? It does not make sense for a Nazarite. Doesn't make sense at all. Just asking for trouble, being in places that he shouldn't be. Number two, what is he doing near a carcass? Why would Samson go near a carcass? As a Nazarite, he had vowed before the Lord not to go near anything that was dead and decaying. Doesn't make any sense. Um, There is no doubt that he was wandering in enemy territory, just asking for trouble. However, as we can see, part two of the pattern, he's completely letting his flesh call the shots. 100% letting his flesh call the shots. Uh, Now, we've all had food cravings before. Uh, I I remember one as I was just kind of thinking and trying to put this in perspective for me. Has anybody had Diddy Reese before? Have you ever heard of Diddy Reese? It's a cookie place down on the west side of LA by UCLA's campus. Real good. I was craving one time. We went there and uh, I got my favorite ice cream cookie sandwich. I was eating it and uh, I went to scoop some out and a big chunk of cookie and ice cream fell on the sidewalk. And I was like, oh, it was so devastating. You know that feeling when you're like so excited to eat and uh, devastating. And I went down, I pick it up, initial reaction, gut reaction, pick it up. And I like five second rule. Nah, okay, Josh, this is ice cream. This is a nasty, nasty sidewalk. Don't do it. Don't do it. And so I threw it away. You know, like, super, that would have been super gross if I'd eaten it, right? I was thinking about it. Samson, this is honey in a rotten, decaying lion's animal carcass. Like, that is disgusting. The idea of eating it, like to desire honey so bad that you're willing to eat it out of an animal carcass, that is gross. On top of that, he had a defense that he had to get through. There was bees. He was taking bee stings. Like his flesh had to crave that honey so bad that he was willing to fight bees, fight bee stings, and eat it out of a dead lion carcass. Like that is next level kind of craving stuff. It really is. Um... On top of that, he was defiling himself, like walking near the carcass. Okay, that's one thing. That's just being dumb, okay? 
That's straight up defiling himself by eating something out of it. Absolutely next level craving type of things. And as, you're, as, you, as you can see already, and as you're going to see throughout Samson's life, this overwhelming pattern of just giving himself over to his flesh, of just following whatever his flesh desires, uh, this continues to pop up over and over again. His flesh is the thing that controls his life. But before uh, we hate on Samson too much, um, I would argue that we are a lot more like Samson than we would care to uh, admit to. Um, This is an absolute huge, huge issue in our lives. Possibly the root issue that keeps us off of our mission is being concerned with the things of the flesh. Um, As I was just thinking through some different ways that Samson let his flesh call the shots and some ways that we let our flesh call the shots, um, I I came up with a few, um, and I know that none of these are universal, and I know that they don't go across the board, but man, as I was just thinking through how Samson let his stomach call the shots, Samson let his stomach call the shots, and today we can absolutely let our stomach call the shots. I, I don't know, maybe for you, my flesh just wants one more drink. My flesh just wants one more drink. My flesh, my stomach just wants one more drink. Samson let his anger and his emotions and his pride call the shots. Um, for us, I think uh, along the whole range of different relationships, from people that we don't know at all and just come across randomly to those that we love the absolute most, our spouses, our parents, our kids. If we, uh, if we let our flesh call the shots, how are we going to respond to people? When we're hurt, when they say those things, when they make those comments, when they do that thing that just kind of gets under the skin, if I respond in my flesh, I'm going to make that stinging comment. If I'm going to respond in my flesh, I'm going to respond with pride. I'm going to respond with anger. I'm going to respond in ways that hurt a relationship. For those that, the people that we love the absolute most, the people that we love the absolute most, if we respond in our flesh, the way that our flesh cries out uh, in our pride, um, we're going to hurt relationships. And you know what? Like, it's not good because it damages relationships, but ultimately it gets us off the mission, right? If we're spending our time working on mending broken relationships because we react in our flesh, then that's taking away from the mission. We're, uh, granted, we should be working on restoring marriages. We should be working on restoring relationships. We should be working on, those things are massively important. But what, when we're doing that because we responded in our flesh and we acted in our flesh, that's taking away from the mission. We're spending our time on that versus our time on the mission. Uh, For people that we don't know, people that we have no idea when we're wronged and our immediate flesh reaction is just uh, to make that comment, to uh, act defensively, to be angry. Uh, Man, how is that helping the mission? That's just burning bridges. Our flesh is taking over, and because our flesh is taking over and responding in our flesh, uh, therefore that's taking away from the mission. The one for Samson, uh, that was the biggest one, is Samson let his lust and he let his eyes control his his life. Um, Like I said before, man, if he didn't have that soft spot for Philistine women, he might have been on mission the entire time. Um, For us, holy cow, isn't this a huge one for us as well today? Man, if we could have 
uh, our eyes and our lust under control and we weren't so prone to giving in to our bodies in this area, man, that just controls, it consumes. It consumes our time, consumes our life, consumes our thought process. And doesn't it, like, when our mind is so consumed with things of our flesh, with pornography, with thinking about uh, people other than our spouse, man, like, that just is all-consuming. All-consuming. It takes away from the mission. It's hard to want to be on mission for the Lord and fired up for the Lord when our minds are consumed with things of our flesh, when it's consumed with lust, consumed with our eyes. Paul knew how big of a deal this was, um, and I wanted to share a verse from 1 Corinthians. Uh, it's verse 9, 27. Chapter 9, verse 27. Now, Pastor John actually shared this verse uh, last week in the ESV. Uh, I wanted to share it with you in the NIV just because I think, man, it's some really cool imagery. Uh, and it says this. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. Our flesh naturally makes us our, its slave. Our flesh naturally makes us its slave. And Paul's saying here just the importance of striking a blow to our body and making our flesh our slave by doing whatever it takes so that our flesh is not running things. We are in control of our flesh. Um, as I was just thinking through, I have a, a couple of practical tools. Um, and again, this isn't a formula, right? There isn't a formula. If there was a formula, it'd be easy. Uh, there's not a formula, uh, but just a couple of practical things. And I don't know if I've shared this with you before. I, I know I've shared it with the high, our high schoolers. Uh, but the first one is fasting, fasting from food. Um, our flesh, right? Our bodies crave food. Naturally, we need food to survive. Um, our, our, our flesh craves food. Man, fasting from food and um, spending a time just focused on the Lord uh, there's just something to that that's powerful and it helps kind of break those minds. Like, we need food. Like, and we tell ourselves, I need, 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 need. My body needs this. And if you can break that for a period of time to spend time with the Lord, it's crazy how much power that is in overcoming flesh. I've seen it in my life for sure. Uh, the second one is, man, just taking drastic measures. Like, whatever it takes. Like, if it's so important for us to break this control that our flesh has over us, uh, to be on mission, man, just whatever it takes. Paul says, man, if, if your eye's causing this sin, pluck it out. If your arm is causing this sin, cut it off. Like, what kind of drastic measures do we need to take uh, in order uh, to stay on mission? Man, if it's getting rid of a device, if it's getting rid of, I don't know what it, what it looks like, but taking drastic measures, whatever it takes. Um, and finally, I just wanted to say, man, if you're in a position where just really, really struggling with this and dealing with some uh, addiction things, um, my hope is just as a church that we're a place that's open, that's real, uh, where we allow each other to be human beings and uh, just be dealing with things. Man, I know that our church uh, would love to be a place where we can come and like help and talk through things. If you need to get counseling, if you need to do stuff, there's so many cool organizations that are around in this area. Uh, and I know a, a number of people in our church that are already getting help with cool stuff, with stuff like this. Um, whatever it takes, if you're having trouble with the flesh, um, man, get help. Let's not be too proud um, to get help. All right, how to get distracted from our mission and miss out on God's best. Number one, wander in enemy territory. Two, let your flesh call the shots. And as a result, number three, experience unnecessary pain 
and unfulfilled potential. Take a look there in verse 10. We're going to knock the rest of this out. His father went down to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. As soon as the people saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. And Samson said to them, let me now put a riddle to you. If you can tell me what it is within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell me what it is, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, put your riddle that we may hear it. And he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days, they could not solve the riddle. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us here to impoverish us? And Samson's wife wept over him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You've put a riddle to my people and you've not told me what it is. And he said to her, behold, I've not told my father nor my mother and I shall tell you. She wept before him the seven days that their feast lasted. And on the seventh day, he told her because she pressed him hard. Then she told the riddle to her people and the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. So endearing. (laughs) And the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. In hot anger, he went back to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. Holy smokes. Rough wedding week for Samson, my goodness. So the wedding festivities are on, right? Uh, Samson and his family, they put on this feast. It's the seven-day celebration leading up to consummation of the marriage. Supposed to be a wonderful, wonderful time. Not so much. It's interesting as I was studying here that this word feast in verse 10, see that word feast? It's the Hebrew word mista, and it's literally a place of drinking, It literally means a place of drinking. Now, again, why would a Nazarite be throwing a drinking party? Just because that's what the young men used to do? As a Nazarite, Samson needs to throw this drinking party? It's interesting, as I was reading through, commentators suggested, hard to believe that Samson was not drinking at this this party. Now, we don't have scriptural proof. I can't prove that he was or he wasn't. But if we look at the pattern of Samson's life, is it crazy to believe that Samson was drinking? Not crazy to believe at all. Anyways, not quite the ideal wedding week. Lots of not fun stuff going on there. Uh, Comes up with the riddle idea. All the fiance issues. Man, she's crying. She's getting threatened. She tells her people the answer. Samson's upset. He's angry. He goes and kills 30 dudes. Bring the garments back. And then he goes home. He's angry. On top of it, to top it all off, his fiance gets given to the best man. Just crazy, crazy, not fun, terrible, terrible wedding week. Uh, now, we're going to see here in the, in the weeks to come, and, I, and spoiler alert, I don't want to tell you too much, but I think God's gonna, God is going to use this uh, as a way to get Samson back on mission. Samson is completely like not doing his thing against the Philistines. God's going to use this as a way uh, to get Samson back on mission. 
However, uh, it just seems like Samson wants to do this the hard way, you know? Like, I just wonder how much unnecessary pain, both emotionally and physically, Samson could have been spared throughout the rest of his life and throughout the rest of his story, including this week uh, that we just saw here, if he would just stayed on mission from the beginning. Um, as I've been just, man, thinking about this this past week, I, I, and this might be oversimplifying it, but I really think that there's two types of pain uh, in this life. Uh, the first type is just the natural pain that comes along with being a human being. Um, God created this world to be perfect. Uh, when sin entered in, death entered in, this world got messed up. And sometimes there is just pain that we experience that comes along with being a part of this broken, broken world. Um, on the other hand, there is no doubt that there is pain that we bring upon ourselves by the dumb things that we do and the acting outside of God's plan for our lives. Absolutely no doubt. This first type of pain, completely unavoidable. There's no way that any human is going to avoid just the stuff that comes along with being on planet Earth and being a part of this just broken world that's happened because of sin. This over here, absolutely avoidable. 100% avoidable. Um, I wanted to give you guys just a very brief, uh, just family update uh, with Linz and I. Um, and it's not a very fun update, um, but just kind of fits in with um, where we we're going uh, this morning. Um, as I said, it, it's really not a, a fun update, fairly uh, on, the, on the painful side. Um, but we've been just sharing with you guys over the past few months, um, just our journey to trying to have a baby. Uh, and now we've been trying for a little bit over two years. And um, back in October, we found out that we were pregnant, um, which was really exciting. We were really happy and got to tell our family and told some close friends. And um, we were planning on telling our high schoolers and uh, college young adults and actually the church uh, the week right after Christmas Cafe. Um, we had our eight-week appointment uh, back in like November and got to see the little heartbeat and then came, we were going to have our 12-week appointment on the Friday of Christmas Cafe, so just a few weeks ago. Um, and after the 12-week appointment is when it's a little bit safer and uh, things are kind of in the clear after that, uh, at least a little bit more so. And uh, so, yeah, we were excited to tell the church kind of that following week uh, after Christmas Cafe. And we went to our 12-week appointment and uh, found out that our little baby had passed away uh, about 10, weeks, uh, 10 days prior. And, uh, yeah, it was really hard. And uh, not fun, and it's been uh, a not fun couple of weeks, uh, to be honest with you. Um, kind of the, the tagline that I've been uh, telling people as people have just been asking is, uh, we're not angry, uh, we're not bitter, we don't have like this deep resentment, we don't doubt God's goodness, uh, we don't doubt God's like future plan for our family, um, we're just grieving the loss of this individual child. And uh, it's crazy how attached you get in just a few weeks. Um, God's been so good uh, in the midst of it. It's crazy because uh, like you read scripture and you read, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Um, it's just been really like so powerful to experience God's comfort because um, that's like, it's true. Like God's word is real. Uh, blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Uh, one that stu has stuck out for me personally uh, is Paul says, that it's better, it would be better for him to be away from the body and be with the Lord. It would be better for him to be away and be with, be with God. 
But he says, I stay here for the mission. I stay here so that I can spread the word of God. Uh, and so it's been so, it's been so neat and so powerful to think of like our little baby doesn't have to like be here on this earth, doesn't have to experience all this pain that comes along with being a human and gets to be with the Lord has been one of like the coolest things um, just over these past few weeks and super, super comforting. Um, that being said, uh, I tell you all this uh, not to be, uh, I genuinely don't want to just be emotional. I don't want uh, pity, uh, none of that. But I felt like God, it was just one, calling us to be very open with our story and has kind of been calling us to be open this entire time. Uh, my hope as we even talk about things like this today is just to encourage you. I know some people, when things are going wrong, when there's pain, when there's hurt in life, uh, it's easy to think, uh, man, why is God, is God punishing me? What did I do? Um, and I just want to encourage you, man, there's pain that just happens in this world because we're on a broken planet and it's not the way that God intended it to be originally. Um, and there's nothing that you did. Um, sometimes we just go through pain uh, and that's okay and stop beating yourself up about it. Um, you're not being punished. Um, sometimes we just go through things in this life and that's okay. Uh, on the other hand, uh, man, I was just thinking, there's so much, like, there's enough just normal pain over there that why would we want to bring any more on ourselves? You know, like, there's enough, there's enough just, like, hurt that naturally occurs. Why would we want to bring more on ourselves? I, uh, as I was thinking just about Samson, I kind of was playing, like, the what-if game. Like, man, what if Samson would have stayed on his mission? What if he would have just been about God's plan A? Like, what would that have looked like? Uh, imagine a life that wasn't controlled by his flesh, that wasn't, he didn't spend wandering in enemy territory, that wasn't scarred by all these broken relationships. Imagine the victories that he could have had. He had cool victories anyway. Like, God did cool stuff anyways, because God is good. Um, however, imagine he could have been the greatest military leader in all of history. He could have been the greatest military leader in all of history. Instead, we're, we're stuck here playing the what-if game. Uh, as I said at the beginning, my hope is that this serves as a warning, number one. Uh, man, if you've, been, if you've been walking in enemy territory and just like lying to yourself and going towards things that are only going to end up bad, if you've been just following your flesh and letting your flesh call the shots, man, would this serve as a warning? Come on back. Come on back. Let's be smart. Let's get back on the mission. It's not just about avoiding the unnecessary pain. It is about avoiding unnecessary pain for sure. Why would we want to bring that up upon ourselves? But man, that's distracting from the mission. How much more, like how good is life going to be if we could stay on mission? Number two, I hope that this is an encouraging reminder that even if you're not great, God still is. Even if you've messed up in the past, like this can be like, let's start moving forward on mission from this point forward. God's plan will not be stopped. Samson was a bonehead. He was off mission the whole time and God still did amazing things. God still did amazing things. God's plan can't be stopped. He's still really good. The question for us today is, do we want God to be working and moving and doing his plan in spite of us? 
or alongside of us? Do we want God to accomplish his plan in spite of us or alongside of us? Man, I can't even imagine just how amazing it would be, uh, the impact that we would have on our communities, on our families, etc., if we weren't distracted, but we'd stay on the mission. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, uh, God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you again for the example of Samson. God, I pray that you uh, clearly said what you wanted to say, uh, that I wasn't in your way too much, God. Uh, we love you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for how good you are. We thank you that um, regardless of circumstance and uh, situation, that you are so good. Um, God, we just pray that you would uh, be moving in our hearts, give us wisdom, uh, help, give us strength to find help if we need it. Um, Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for a chance to be here. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Hey, church. Uh, man, if there's anything that we could be praying for you for this week, anything at all, uh, we have some people down here that would love to pray with you. Uh, other than that, have a wonderful week. We love you guys. See you soon. Thank you.